Hello, Rejects. I'm Brent. And I'm Dave. Welcome back to Rejected Central. So if you've clicked on rejectedcentral.com and read a little bit about us, you might know that the rejections that I regularly encounter in my writerly life are what sent us down this rejected central road. Writers who work to get published get rejected. A lot. So today's a treat. We're going to hang with some of my people. <laughs> a few writers who get it. Joining us today are writers Sonal Champsey, Stephen Mayoff, and Allison Gadsby, each with a unique take on the rejection thing. Sonal Champsey's novel in progress, Everyone Can't Be Wrong, was shortlisted for the 2022... I had such a problem when I was rehearsing saying 2022, so I'm really glad that went well. You did great. Thanks. <laughs> UBC Harpy... Harper... See there, and now I have the problem saying uh. Harpy Collins rather than <laughs> Harper Collins. So UBC Harper Collins Canada Best New Fiction Prize. Sonal runs the Dear Abby style writing advice column, Writer Therapy, on Substack and lives in Toronto. Hi there. Hi. <laughs> Stephen Mayoff is a novelist, poet, and lyricist, born and raised in Montreal, but who has made his home on PEI for more than 20 years. Welcome, Stephen. Hello. And finally, Alison Gadsby is the host of Junction Reads, a reading series in Toronto. Her short fiction appears in Blue Lake Review, The Ex-Puritan, Coastal Shelf, etc., and does not appear in many more. Thanks for being here, Alison. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Sonal. Hi, Stephen. Hello. Hi, Dave. Hey. It's such a privilege to be able to get together with people who get it. So um, we have officially christened you the Elite Crack Rejection Crew. You are so <laughs> anointed and, uh, well, vir virtually, of course. We do like to start by asking our guests if they'd be willing to share a brief uh, story of rejection. Um, I, is it okay if we start with Allison? I, I, in talking to you, Brent, about this before we went, I had a story that I shared with you, but um, I realized in sharing that story that it actually went a little further back. So I'm going to start with comedy, which um, I'm not sure if many people know, but I was a comedian and uh, wrote sketch comedy for a while. And that was my, I guess, first foray into rejection was writing sketch comedy, performing it on stage and, and hearing applause or not hearing applause. But when I left writing sketch comedy, what I realized was in the solitary space in front of my computer, I wasn't bouncing stuff off a comedy writing partner and I didn't have a stage to share it. Um, and so the first rejections I got from literary magazines were almost shocking to me because of course the idea was genius. I had kind of worked it through in, in a, the first stories in a, in a sketch comedy and the audience loved them as, sketch, as sketches. And so when I got those first rejections, I was shocked. And so I immediately created a group of writers that I could sit down with and work my stories through. And I started a, Writer's Workshop. Well, and that works with, we're going to talk a little bit later about the community part of, of rejection, mm -hmm. and why that's so important with you. Um, yeah. Wow, that first uh, rejection. And I actually, I think of right now, I'm, I'm so focused on the volume of rejections that I've received and doing this podcast. I actually have to go back and actually try and find those first ones. To, and I, because I remember that feeling going, well, hold on a second yeah. here. Everybody growing up told me my writing was genius. Why don't you, you know what I mean? 
Exactly. And the worst part was in those early days, you, it was your own handwriting coming back to you, wow. a self-addressed right. stamped right. envelope mm. in your mailbox. And it was, it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> more pain, more painful, you know, more painful than, than seeing, a, uh, you know, the, the, um, I can't, what I can't think of the word when, uh, company's logo is on an envelope. It's not a, it's, it's the envelope that you paid. Right. Oh, the letterhead. Money the, yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. It's not from them. It's, <laughs> it's you shouting back to you. Remember all of that positive energy you put into this? Yeah. Here it is. There it is. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Sonal? Ah, uh, well, I mean, my take is a little different because, uh, no one told me my writing was genius when I was growing up. <laughs> So I, I grew up, you know, you know, immigrant family um, from, from India and, um, you know, writing was not a thing we were supposed to do. You know, I, you know, computer programming, running a business, you know, engineering, all those things. Sure. But like writing was like, why would you ever want to do that? So, um, you know, when I first did, well, I'm going to do a late injection and... to say your writing is brilliant. Yeah. So I have okay. seen it and read it. So I can, <laughs> I can throw some, of, it's belated of course, but your writing is brilliant. So <laughs> thank Ditto. you so much. Certainly. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when I first started submitting stuff, um, and it got rejected, I just, it didn't, I mean, I didn't love it, the rejection, cause I was hoping for better, but at the same time it was, it was like, you know, no literary magazine is going to reject me more than my own mother. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it wasn't um, it wasn't so like, you know, crushing. It wasn't one of these like, well, what are you doing? It's genius. It was like, oh, yeah, I guess it really wasn't good enough because I just assumed I wasn't. Um, but I, you know, now it's more that I kind of reject rejection. Um, yeah. And that's that's actually why you're here, really. And we're going to. Yeah, we're, gonna, we're definitely going to get into that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the first um, like story that I kind of had any kind of success with was actually like a writing contest and I didn't win. Um, it was a Toronto Star short story contest. And Jessica Westhead was one of the judges. And she emailed me to say that, you know, you didn't win because all things are by consensus. And um you know, but your story was my favorite and I loved it and made me cry. And like, I was like, oh my God, I don't care if I didn't win. Like, let's go watch my story. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. Um, but then I, you know, I submitted that story to literary magazines to get published and it proceeded to get rejected 30 times. Hmm. And, you know, it was weird because I was sitting there thinking like, you know, but, but like just loved it and everybody else hates it. What's going on here? And, and you know, that's where it started to, to kind of click for me that it's not about... Um, you know, um, it's not that you send it out and people are going to love it. And that means like, that means anything. It's just that like, how is it my fault if none of those 30 other editors have taste? Like, you know, <laughs> right. uh, it's I not have my problem if they don't, if they, Definitely. if they don't have any yep. taste at all. I mean, you know, but, uh, but it turned it around. And then I remember like a few years ago, I got a rejection, which made me feel like, you know, I've really turned a corner on, on how I approach writing, where it was like, I was, it was a rejection with feedback. And they were saying, well, you know, the writing was, was very interesting. And you did this literary device, which was very cool and technical. And it was really neat. But we just thought the situation was too ordinary. And I was looking at that and going, that was the point. Like, mm. it's supposed to be ordinary. You know, <laughs> what the heck are you doing? And, and I thought to myself, like, I don't want to be published by you people. I reject you. Like, nice. You know, like don't, 
don't tell me that the story is too, too ordinary. The situation is too ordinary. The point is that it's supposed to be ordinary. That's the like the ordinary everyday, but that's why we do what we do. We we take that ordinary, and by being really good at it being ordinary, it makes it super ordinary, doesn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. How about you, Stephen? Uh, well, I'll tell the first writing reject. There were there were other ones before, different kinds of rejection that came before that. But the first writing rejection came. Um, I I'd been writing poetry uh, since high school. And uh, I decided to try to write uh, some prose fiction. I wanted to try my hand at it. Um, So I wrote what was essentially a memory piece of my childhood, um, decided that I, or realized that I couldn't remember a lot of stuff, and so started to make stuff up. And so that was how I got into writing fiction. And then uh, what I felt was with the finished piece, it didn't really have a story. It was just a lot of images and I thought well maybe I can get this published as a a prose poem so yeah that's what I'm going to do so I had some other poems and I put them all together Uh, I sent them to uh, Poetry Toronto this is 1982 I think and um, amazingly got back a handwritten note from BP Nickel who which amazed me I I knew who BP Nickel was and I still have the, I've showed you the picture. I still have this, this handwritten note and he didn't like the other poems, but this particular prose piece, which was called Glasgow. Um, he said, I love this. This is fantastic. This is great. And if I was um, still editing at uh, Ganglio, this other magazine, um, I, I'd publish it, but this is poetry Toronto and that's prose. And right. so sorry. And you kind of go, okay, I felt amazing and terrible at the same time. And I thought, <laughs> well, this, this is, a, you know, probably a, a, what this is going to all going to be like from the now on. It's, and it was, it is, I often get, you know, love the piece. You're a good writer. Can't publish you. I'm so sorry. But, you know, and for whatever the reason is, and you kind of go, gee, but an, an interesting addenda to this is that, jump ahead to 20, I guess, 15 or so. And I was putting together my first poetry collection and thought I should put this uh, prose piece in there, um, this prose poem. And so I had to write the magazine. It eventually did get published. um, And I I wrote the magazine, can you send me a back issue? They did. And I read it and hated it. (laughs) I said, oh my God, I am so embarrassed by this. This is terrible. BP Nickel like this? What the hell is he thinking? Right. So it's Re- amazing. The reject the rejection we have for our early work some is a, is something mm-hmm. else to think about. Well, and I don't think it's it's just yeah. unique to writers to have. I think a lot of artists can re- relate to that idea that there can be a rejection that you just absolutely love. Right? It's the <laughs> it's the oh, yeah. it's the gentle letdown with just that just enough encouragement to keep going. I, I don't have it in front of me. Do you still have the BP nickel letter in front of you? I, it's not in front of me. Sorry. Oh, okay. All right. I was going to put you really on the spot and get you to read it out loud to us, but uh, unless you know, oh, it off you know, the, his writing was very hard to read. It took me a long time to decipher it, it <laughs> but I remember him saying, saying, you know, I, and the other poems didn't do much for me, but I loved Glasgow. And I went, Oh, wow. So Maybe yeah. we could, uh, you did send an awesome. image of it, 
could I could I put it on the blog? You can for awesome. sure. All right, Thank we you. can <laughs> we can run a contest to see who can decipher it. Okay, can say no more it? about it. Don't say any of the other words that are in it. We'll see if people can no. figure it out. Um, I, before we started talking, um, Sonal asked. She said, "Look, how how much swearing is allowed?" And one of the things that we, our paths first crossed when we were both doing uh, our MFA at UBC, I really like your no nonsense approach to the challenges of writing in the writing life. If the listeners are interested, Google what I did today instead of writing, and you'll encounter, I'm going to call it a Facebook uh, post essay in many, many parts. <laughs> it's brilliant. And I, I think I really like the acerbic, fearless way you face rejection. Call it thick skin or strength or whatever. Why is it important to look rejection in the eye this way? And you mentioned it earlier. Maybe why is it important to reject rejection? I mean, I think, you know, and this comes a lot from like a lot of my writing students, you know, and they, they, you know, they really fear sending their work out into the world because they don't want to be rejected. And then they finally work up the nerve to do it. And they send out like maybe one thing to one place and they get rejected. And they're like, you know, they're, they're just devastated. And they don't want to send anything else again. And it's, and, and the thing is, is that, that I tell them is that, I mean, the, you know, the publication is, is all about um, uh, four things. It, it's, Timing, taste, talent, and uh, tenacity. Yeah. I made that nice. The one four T's. Here, so that's, that's the <laughs> four T's. But um, I'm writing. I'm writing notes two right of now. Those. <laughs> yeah, you only control two of those things. I mean, you, 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 hmm. your talent, your craft. You know, you can take that so far. Your tenacity, you can keep going with that. But the rest is totally out of your control. And, and we've all had that experience. If we're reading some book or or a story that's been like you know, highly lauded and won so many awards and everyone's talking about it and you read it and you think like, why on earth did this like even get published? This is awful, right? And then we've all had that where it's like, I don't understand why this won so many awards. It's not that great, you know? And, and instead of like asking ourselves, okay, am I dumb and I didn't get it? I mean, we can turn it around and just and just be like, no, this is just not my taste, you know? And, and um a lot of, especially in Canadian literature, I think there's there's almost a can-lit style, right? And, and there's, there's a lot of a really wonderful writing that doesn't um, necessarily, you know, fit in with that style or is not in vogue among the like current award givers or whatever. Um, so it's not, you know, what is it? Is it really rejection if these people wouldn't like, wouldn't like anything you wrote anyway? If, is it really? It's, you know, it, it's... Um, it isn't. It's just their taste is not your taste, and there's nothing, you know, wrong with that. And I think, I think other the other part of it is that is is that you know a lot of writers doubt their, um, their their right to be a writer. They they they're not sure if they get to call themselves a writer. They're mm -hmm. not sure if they deserve to be a writer. And I mean, I understand that because you know I grew up thinking that writing was not a thing that I was ever going to be because like that just wasn't an option. So the fact that I do this at all to me just amazes me but um i think we often look as you know as publication or acceptances or like those awards as validation for doing this and, and it isn't i mean you get you're, you're you're allowed everyone's allowed to do this everyone's allowed to create art everyone's allowed to to write it doesn't have to be accepted by anyone for us to do it i mean it's it's nice when it is i love seeing my name in print you know, I, I enjoy those very, very tiny checks yeah. that come in, but, you know, but, um, 
but you know, it, it's it's if someone doesn't like what I wrote, but I don't like anything that they they publish or that they write. I mean, you know, why is this really a rejection? It's more this is just a bad fit. You know, we yeah. don't we don't we don't belong yeah. together. Learning what yeah. not to take personally. So to Allison. Yeah. yeah. I, I was just gonna, um, when you were talking earlier, Sonal, I was actually gonna say, when you said the rejection of the rejection, for me, when I get the rejections now, it, depending on what's included in the rejection, I think, okay, I probably should have researched that magazine a little bit more. Like it's clear with what they're saying that what I wrote doesn't fit into what they're publishing. And that's what I, I think the same about Canada Writes, like no, absolutely not going to bash the CBC short story contest, but just like you said, it is a particular kind of story that they publish. And I think I donated over the years, probably $400 to the CBC short story prize. And I tell you- That's a nice way to say you've donated those (laughs) entry fees. Well done. (laughs) Yeah, because every every single year I think to myself, huh, am I going to donate another $25 to CBC? Yeah. I feel you've donated enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I'll, I'll second that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's important to be sending stuff to people like that, even if your stuff doesn't fit, to say, hey, look, we have other things. There are other ways to write. There's other styles. Why don't you have a look at this? It, even if you know they're going to they're gonna reject it, I, mm-hmm. I still think it's worth sending it out. Well, and here's a voice you need to read, right? Here's a, here's a perspective yeah. that... You exactly. may not necessarily be able to relate to, but even if you don't accept it, I'm still hoping that something is banging around in the back of the brain that if it's challenging you, right? And and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I would agree with that too. Get it out there. And and plus you never know, like editors, for example, can change from week to week as well. So you submit it to one editor, you've done all your research, and then suddenly by the time they get it to it in the slush pile, it's a completely different editorial board or a different person in charge and of course I think most of the time in my own experience that means that it's completely missed the mark but occasionally occasionally the person that lands in that position and again the four t's thank you for that that's trademark (laughs) for for sonal but you know sometimes it's it's just it lands in the right lap at the right time yeah and uh oh the the miracle of that for sure Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. It, but I also I also don't entirely agree with the thick skin idea of rejection. I think rejection should hurt a bit, and it should make you think, and I think it does. I think it has a, a, a an upside to it. I think uh, you have to ask yourself these questions. You know, another rejection I had was I was actually a, a student at the National Theatre School. And I was one of the ones that get cut. It's a very famous for cutting in the first year. I was the one to get cut with someone else. And you have to, you know, once you process that, you you think to yourself, well, you know, I can still be an actor just because you're not in national theater school. Do I want to be an actor? And I don't, I don't know how many people really ask themselves things. And we're getting so many rejections as a writer. I always ask myself, do you need to do this? And I often still ask myself, do I need to do this? And somehow it comes yep. up, yes. It, it still comes up, yes. And even when you're hurting a bit, I go, yeah, well, guess what? I'm not going to stop, okay? I'm still, I'm still doing it, okay? 
<laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I, I mean, I, I remember like, and I mean, sometimes, you know, I think a few years ago, I sent my novel out to a bunch of agents. It was not ready, but I wanted to believe it was ready uh, because I had just, you know, it was my thesis project and I had revised it and I was just, I was ready for everything to kind of launch, um, you know, and I thought to myself, well, you know, I managed to like lie to myself into saying that like, it is, it is absolutely ready and it's definitely like great, even though in my heart of hearts, I knew that wasn't true. Uh, so and I we do get that sense, and... don't we? Yeah, we can. Yeah. Uh, the more mm -hmm. we do things, we also get a sense when something's not quite there. We just yeah. have to mm -hmm. decide, do we want to put more work into it? or Yeah. yeah. And, and it's hard because, I mean, especially with something, a big project like a novel, I mean, it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And then you sit there and think, oh, do I want to go through, like, I climbed the mountain. Do I want to climb the mountain again? It was a long mountain. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So That's why um, the yeah. biggest the biggest thing I think I learned in the first uh, few years of submitting was in realizing after, you know, a story's rejected however many times and you finally open it up and think, okay, like you said, Brent, am I going to revise this or am, am I going to rubbish it? And you look at it yeah. and you go, wow, this is awful. Like this a hundred percent needed another revision. And I would say that is probably the biggest issue with, with, submissions in general is people sending stuff too soon sending it yeah. before it's ready because yeah it, yeah yeah i remember you're either exhausted or just yeah but it does yeah. take a long time you know it you know you you read it then you read it again then you read it again and you really do need time away from it and that is the whole point of sending out material is that it, it it's out of your hair for however long <laughs> and some some other jerk has to read it and he has to go yeah. why did this guy send this to me well i remember you know, being that, then, that that other jerk you know when i was reading uh for prism you know on 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 their editorial board and i mean actually well that was a really uh valuable experience and i mean i advise like writers that like, if you can volunteer for to read a slush file it's it's really helpful because you know, in, in every, like, let's say we would get 10 submissions and like one of them would be like completely wild, like just completely, you know, I don't even know why any, like, I remember like there was a story about needing to go pee. There was like a story like written in the form of musical chords. It's just like, <laughs> I, like, I don't understand. 75 page fictional memoir. It was just, and then like, maybe there would be like one story in that pile of 10 that was like really good and was good to go and to publish maybe another one or two that are kind of you know, on the fence where it's kind of blending into taste versus, um, you know, craft, whether or not it's really ready. But then the rest was, you know, what was really interesting was the most of the rest of it, which is like most of the pile, it was good. It just wasn't quite all the way there yet, you know? And there were so many times where you would read a story and you're like, this writer is so close. Hmm. And and hmm. Um, just, they need to just take it a little bit further or just... They just need to edit this thing or this a little bit more they need to do because the writing would, would you, be pretty Would you different. tell them that? Would you tell well, I mean, them I, was, I wasn't the editor. I mean, I was just on no. the editorial board. And I mean, right. there was one writer I remember, like he kept sending piece after piece. Like at the moment he got a rejection, he would send a new one, send a new one, send a new one. When I noticed over time that the quality of, this, of it was going down because I think it just wasn't ready. Right. And I was like, send this guy something because he was, he was good. It's just, he needs more time with these things. Hmm. And I think the reason that most editors don't send that it's just the volume is too much you know um and even if the stuff mm -hmm. that is good i mean like you know my little rough one out of ten that's ten percent but the acceptance rate of most magazines is more like one or two percent so there's a lot of really really good stuff 
that mm-hmm. just gets rejected for like ridiculous reasons. It's just that someone prefers this or, you know, this one features a guy named Kevin and you just broke up with Kevin and you don't want anything to do with Kevin anymore, um, <laughs> you know, or, or whatever. I mean, it's, it gets really arbitrary at that point. Hmm. Um, so it, it's, yeah, I mean, I think I think what you're saying, but the sending it out too early, and I'm, I've definitely been guilty of that, you know, if it's like, you just want to believe that it's done. You just want to believe that you're, you're, you don't have to, you know, go through it all over again. But, mm-hmm. um, but I think also that the more I have been rejected and the more I get acceptances, I start getting a better sense of like, yes, this is really ready, you know? And thankfully um, we get better yeah. over time at, you know, it's, it's definitely not scientific. It's, there's no magic potion. There's no formula for it. But we get better at getting close to recognizing when we are closer to that point, right? Also, I was wondering yeah. uh, for the group, um, as you go along, as you get more experience, how um, are you able to discern which sort of rejection is actually constructive in any way? Because, um, and I also wonder, does it get easier as you get more experience, as you get um, as you get more of your work out there? Is rejection from somebody is that a little easier, or is that something you can just you can learn from. No, me, it's, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, sometimes it's a relief. Mm. Like when, you know, you'll get the, the email and you'll go, oh, okay, what do, what do they have to say? And then it's a rejection. And sometimes I don't even think about it. I just go to my shell subs and plonk in rejection and, and move on. That's so really me, interesting. I, I, I've never thought yeah. of that. That's, that's, oh, wow. I've never myself associated relief with that feeling that's really cool i mean it's not cool that yeah. you get rejected of course sometimes. but yeah, I know. yeah i mean it's mu- it's much cooler when you get the the acceptance and you're looking at it going what oh my god <laughs> yeah. and you know the world has meaning <laughs> this. well and it's like oh this story finally has a home you know this story that i've been working on for a year or two years or six months or whatever it's like oh it finally has a home and and then it goes into a different folder, you know, it goes into that special folder and it's like, you know, if I could draw hearts all over that uh, digital folder, I would, <laughs> you know, and, and, but either way, it's like, off you go. Let's, let's find this story at home. Let's keep going. And I don't, you know, that's, that sounds like confidence to me, honestly, Broaden, too, like well, you're, you're very it, sure of your work, right? Only if I am sure of that story, Uh, like, you know, hmm, there's, there's hmm. definitely, I have probably six stories on submission right now and three of them I'm super excited about (laughs) and three of them I'm like, okay, just like, let's go with the rejection. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know, beforehand you're going to get rejected. Is that what? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Exactly. Or you're just so Uh, sick of looking at them. You're just like, well, at this point, like. I, I I think I've gone as far as I can and Yeah. Or or I'm just I'm just not gonna be surprised if those three are rejected. Either because like one of them I've been writing and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting for probably three years. And to be honest, I'm I'm like sick of the main character. And so if you know these last few rejections come in for him, I'm probably just gonna put him away. Um but the other ones I'm just really excited to find them a home. Mm-hmm. And was... I mean, there's no confidence. It's like the Sonal and I have had this conversation. It's like the, you know, you go from uh, Monday 
feeling like the world is your oyster and I am a genius. And I almost <laughs> swore there. I just want everyone to know that well I didn't swear. They caught you. Thank you. All the families then, listening, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, you know, I wake up Tuesday morning and I, I go to Charity Village and start looking for a job. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. like, um, I, I, you need a real job because this is a waste of time. You're, mm. you're a waste of space. You are um, a crappy writer, you know, and then Wednesday comes and it's a great day or a bad day. You know, it's, I don't think there's confidence in any writing, in, in any art, in anything until it, it reaches an audience, until it reaches somebody who says, um, I like it. How, how do you know when something is ready? Like this, for myself, I it's like Dave was asking about, uh, you know, how do you know when the criticism is the right criticism? And you have to hear a lot of criticism. Yeah. And for me, I don't know. For me, it's just a like something prickling in the back of my neck when someone makes a suggestion and I say, well, that's workable. That's actually workable. I, I yeah. can do that. But then they make some other suggestion. You go, that's not workable. No, I don't think I so. But but that's the same thing with with finished work. I don't know. It's just something. It just it's I, intangible. I think it's very much the same thing for me. I think it's it, it's a feeling, right? <clears throat> that it, it's 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 an intuition that that um, uh, you know, the the story has. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I kind of express it as reaches intention. Although, like intention sounds like you plan this, but it's just whatever creative force came through you to like start the story you know it's kind of come to that and it's realized whatever it's going to be and you know with with, with criticism and feedback it's always for me it's it, it always comes from like is is the feedback i'm getting you know coming from someone who like you know understands what the story wants to be um because if they do then like there's something really kind of that pricking at the back of your neck is very very much kind of how i, I feel about it as well, Steve, it's just that that sense that like yes, there is someone who who sees it and they they also get it and they're they're helping me bring it bring it there. But other times, you know, you'll you'll get you know suggestions or feedback or or criticism or whatever, and it's kind of like, I are we reading the same thing? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. no, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, yeah. Yeah. I, I I like the idea of that that someone right, knowing that there is that someone out there. Um, one of the things that Allison wanted to talk about today was the idea of rejection and community and the fact that we as writers and, you know, other artists can relate to this as well, that we reach out to each other. We look for those people, right? We, when we submit a story, we hope it's the editor or the editorial board that is those people who connect to our writing. But Allison runs Junction Reads and it's one of the first times uh, that I really was touched by um, how special a reading can be in terms of that connection with people. Uh, thank you again, by the way. That was an, that was before That's I awesome. had published anything, and 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 you put me on stage with with Anthony Desa, which of course was intimidating, but it was also amazing because here I am on stage talking about something that I'm doing as a new writer, um, and and being listened to by that person, and he took me seriously. And mm -hmm. that was so transformative. 
And it wouldn't mm-hmm. have happened if I hadn't been brought on that stage at that time by someone who thinks a lot about community. So tell us mm-hmm. about that sense that you have going into, like you have the writing life and rejection and how important community is for that. And yeah, you'll get everybody so, else to talk about it too, because I think it touches all of us a little bit. Junction Reads was definitely born by my feeling of, of not belonging. Like I, I mentioned comedy and Second City and the sketch comedy community in um, the late 90s was we were tight and, and I definitely belonged and I definitely had people. And then when I started writing, I, I went to readings uh, I used to go to the Idler pub for anyone out there who's yeah. my age and can remember that. Um, and I, I felt excluded there because there was a group of people who went there, you know, every Monday that they had it, or, or I think it was Monday. And I thought, okay, this, that, this doesn't feel right. And then um, my husband, we left and left the country and, and came back. And of course I had the kids and, and wasn't really like I was writing, but not living the writer life because I had babies and um, didn't feel like I could go out and do that. And then I started going to reading series again in when I was doing my, my MFA. And when I was in my MFA and going around again, I thought, what does it take to get into this group of people at art bar? Or there was a reading series that, um, was in in High Park in Roncesville when I was when the kids were little and I just felt like I couldn't get in there and I thought you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna start a reading series I'm gonna start a reading series because I knew the most that majority of people in the audience were writers coming to listen to other writers wanting to be a part of this writing community and I thought I'm gonna start a reading series that is going to mix Anthony Dessau, Michael Winter, Cheyenne Salvadori, Priscilla Uppel, with people who were up and coming, right? And so I had Alicia Elliott came and read an essay when she hadn't published even an, a single essay in anywhere. Um, and she was there, I think, when Michael Winter was there. And and that, that was it. I, I just wanted to build a place where writers who were creating new work or who had just gotten a book published by an independent press and were deer in the headlights looking at this, you know, new writerly world that they were living in and, and giving them a place to belong, I think. And Sonal came, I think the, was it 2015 or was it the first year, 2014? I think the first, I think the first year, yeah, 2014. I was with, I was there with uh, Sham Sofaldury and, uh, yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> Nicole Lundrigan and, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So and you that, get that yeah. feeling, that idea of, of, of having that, <laughs> it's an unrejection early on in the writing life to be given the chance to not just hang out with other writers and established writers, but, I'm going to use a metaphor, break bread with them on stage and, and feed mm-hmm. each other. Right. And that was yeah. really cool. Yeah. And Anthony, Anthony can I think he's read twice. Um, is such a huge supporter of Junction Reads and a huge supporter of up and coming writers. And I think new writers don't know that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, especially Canadian writers, we see the, the can lit elite, you know, doing their thing and, um, 
and we think, how can we ever belong mm. in that space? Mm. But then hopefully when you go to a reading series, like Junction Reads, you think, oh, I do belong here. How's the because... uh, the literary scene in PEI? I'm, I've, I've been, I've visited once, but I never stayed long enough to get a sense of how writers are feeding each other in, uh, in the Atlantic provinces, in particular such a small place like PEI. Yeah, well, it, yeah. It, it's a small place. It is a small, uh, sorry, it is a small um, community. Um, for the most part, it is uh, Charlottetown-centric, but there are little pockets of groups um, outside of Charlottetown in the more rural areas. Um, there's a reading series uh, once a month that's put on by the Writers Guild. And um, I'm, I I don't live in Charlottetown. I live uh, up west. I live in, in a, a place called Foxley River. So I kind of have a foot in and a foot out. Uh, um, uh, right. So yeah, I know, I know most people in the writing community and I can't always get to things uh, because a lot of it takes place in Charlottetown. Mm-hmm. I, so, we feel that way is, in Hamilton going to Toronto sometimes, like a lot of happens in Toronto. Yeah. It's only an hour away, but... You have a reading series in Hamilton. You have uh, Midlife, is it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So Oh, sure. Yeah. We, we've actually got a really cool scene here. Um, yeah. But the gravity of the... And, and again, no slight against this community that's building in Toronto, of course, but sometimes that the gravity and the sheer number of events and writers and awards and... Um, literary festivals, it can feel like you're missing out. We're so close. We're so close. Yeah. And there's so much going on in Toronto. There's lots going on here now, which is wonderful. But compared to that yeah. sort of nexus, it's really still quite emerging here in Hamilton. I'm thankful for it. I think it. it's almost, I'm almost harder, like, you know, to, to have community in the big city like Toronto. Uh, something because, you know, I, I, you know, other writers I've talked to who are coming from like smaller communities and like they know all the writers in that community, you know, and, um, you know, they, they have connections with everyone because like, you know, they're also a Lethbridge writer or, or whatever. And, um, you know, there's this idea that, well, if I was a Toronto writer, I would know everybody. But the, the Toronto writing scene becomes like, I'm not hard, hanging out with Margaret Atwood, you know, like, you know, um, it, it becomes so huge. It almost becomes like tiered. And, and it, it is, does feel like, as Allison was saying, like really hard to kind of, um, you know, make connections and, and, and come in, because especially since, you know, some of these, you know, other writers have, you know, been friends and in community for a long time. And then all of a sudden it's like, hi, I'm new. Well, and <laughs> it's a big my place friend, too, right? Just, like Junction, yeah. the Junction, where Junction Reads is, is yeah. a long way from, oh, where did Bright Lights Big City take place? It was kind of on the other side of, of the, uh, the Don Danforth. Valley. The, the, yeah, yeah, over yeah. by the Danforth. Yeah. And when I think of when I, I was I was asked to be at Bright Lights Big City as well, and I was like, oh, great. And I, I kind of assumed it would be right there in the same spot. And I totally <laughs> underestimated how long it would take to get there on a practical level. But it's mm -hmm. a completely different, uh, well, it's not a different community, but it's yeah. a different crew. Like it's a different group of people. Yeah, Toronto is definitely very divided like between like uh, on Young Street, these East End versus West End. And I mean, mm -hmm. I, I live in the West End now, but I grew up in Toronto in the East End. So like, to me, I still feel like I'm visiting on this side, but mm, um, interesting. I'm more familiar familiar with the other side. But it, it's just people don't cross over. Like you know, if you're on one side of, of of even within the writing community, if you're on one side, you pretty much never go to stuff on the other side. It, it's you don't know where it is. It seems really far. You have no idea where any of the landmarks are. It's too confusing. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's kind of funny that way. 
One of the other things I noticed in preparation for this episode, um, as I was looking at your your bios and getting ready to talk about what everything around rejection, um, it occurred to me, and it's really cool that everybody on this panel has another art that they do, another form of art that they do. Um, I, I see, I see, for example like Sonos Substack and writer therapy and teaching as an art, for example, I see, and now I get to add comedy to Allison's, uh, my mental <laughs> CV of her. And Stephen does lyricism and sorry, lyrics and all those things as well. How important is it to have some other art, uh, as we move through this artistic life to help us with our rejection? It's very important. I think I think it's always it's just anything that broadens your scope, broadens your perspective, anything that allows you to see another way of doing things. The, uh, writing lyrics, I get to work with a composer, and I'm not a musician, and so I get to see. And we, we in fact have a, a rock opera that's going to be produced next year. Cool. And awesome. and that uh, is awesome. It, yeah. Yeah. And. Um, so working with him, I get to see how music, uh, how there's narrative in music, how music pushes a narrative forward and how music itself, aside from the lyrics, is its own narrative. And so it's just interesting. It's, it just widens your, I guess, your vocabulary. Well, and Sonal, you've also done playwriting and you've had the play produced. So yeah. you get to not just see the words that go into that, but also the production and the yeah. this, that, and, and the other thing too. And that was amazing to see, you know, because, you know, how the, the director and the actors might interpret um, the play as, as written. It might be, it might be different from what I had envisioned in my head, but often it, it's, it's better. It opens up possibilities. It's really exciting, actually, to kind of see um, what, what different actors and different uh, uh, directors can, can bring to the, the, the words. You know, it, it's, it's really, really exciting. And and yeah, I don't know and you're going to do some stand up for us. Now, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, no, not I, so. It's fun. It's funny because our you know at, even as a comedian, right? My my comedy was was grounded in trauma, which doesn't sound hilarious, but it is. Um, and so in writing, I was never the funny person. Um, but but to me, funny is one of the most difficult things to accomplish. And so I watch comedy all the time and very rarely laugh because if it isn't rooted in something really difficult, I don't find it funny. It's so, it's so weird, but I, I would actually say my other art is music. Okay. If, when I'm stuck with, I don't make music when I'm stuck, <laughs> when I'm stuck with, anything i drown out the critic i drown out all of the other voices in my head by putting on really loud music and what kind of music yeah. typically it can be totally taylor swift here. it can okay. be noah kahan it can be uh like literally anything whatever i taylor just swift? open up my music and yeah just, she uh, just said yeah taylor yeah. swift is is yeah. i'm a new swifty <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah. no, it's true. I had a friend challenge me, oh, two years ago now and, and say, okay, all right. I get that you don't really like pop music, but as a writer, 
as someone who appreciates words, you need to go mm-hmm. into her songs and read the words. And yeah. I was instantly transported. And exactly. it really is something. Um, but I think, you know, art it does that in general. Like it gives us another way to see the world, right? And it, and yeah. I think it makes the other art that we were getting away from better by giving us a broader horizon as well. And I mean, this, this is why I think like this whole notion of like, you know, I need to be published and accepted and make money or, or get awards or get recognition. Um, you know, if you see that as validation for doing this, it, it, you're, you're doing yourself as, as a creative being harm because hmm. that is so arbitrary. It is uh, rooted in a lot of things that are completely outside of your control. It's just this other weird world of, um, you know, art plus commerce and capitalism. It gets, it gets very mm-hmm. strange. Whereas, you know, the creating art, you know, in any form, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of our right as, as people that we get to do this, you know, and, and yes, it's a privilege to be able to do this because, you know, if you're creating art, you're not struggling to survive, but, um, but, but it's still like, I think it's just a, a right of everyone to, to be creative and to express that in some way. And I, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I remember, I mean, I kind of came back to writing kind of later in life. I didn't, um, ever think I was going to be a writer well I mean kind of thought so but I didn't really really believe it and then you know when I was around uh, 30 I took my first creative writing course and I had this real sense like you know in the course and the teacher was talking to us and he was, a, he was a, a fantastic teacher at um at Humber Brad Reed and he was talking to us and talking to us and I just had this sense I was like wow I'm exactly where I need to be you know, mm-hmm. I'm doing exactly what I need to be doing. I was telling friends about this the next day. Like, you know, have you ever had that feeling? They're like, no, that sounds really nice. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that's, that's really something nice. that's... Yeah, I get it. It's, I get but it. it's something yeah. that's so lucky about like artists and creators and, and writers that like we do actually know what is it is the thing that we're meant to do. But meant mm-hmm. to do doesn't mean that we're going to be like lauded for it or we're going to be financially successful for it or that like mm-hmm. recognized for it although all of those things be really nice yeah. um it's just i i'm i i think where it kind of that that ability to kind of shake off rejection comes from is just the idea that like i mean if i got rejected every every if everything i ever sent out got rejected would i kill, still keep writing i would because like that's mm-hmm. what makes me feel more like myself that's what grounds me that's what um that's what keeps me connected to me so mm-hmm. I kind of have to, and I might be the crappiest writer in the world and everyone might, might hate everything I write, but like, that's not the part that matters. Um, yeah. Although I would really love for everyone to read it and like, you know, sure. yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. Like love yes. it and like send me lots of money and so shower me with rewards because, you know, my ego could use that, but, um, <laughs> yeah. but it's not why I write. It's just sort of the side benefit of, of, of it all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. I, I, to- I totally, yeah. So I was just going to say that's the difference between having a writing career and having a writing life. Yeah, it's oh, always better to have a writing life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No I, one yeah. can take your writing life away from you. I, exactly. I think I, exactly. you know that earlier thing we talked a little bit about, and we hear it as writers a lot, like early writers saying, "Am I? Can I call myself a writer?" And for me, part of the answer is if you can sit at your page or in front of your computer or wherever it is that you put your words together. And if you ever have that moment where you're all by yourself and the words that you put together give you that moment of transport and that moment of call it whatever you want, call it joy, call it, call it the ineffable, call it whatever, 
and nobody's around and you're putting words together and that has brought that to you, you can call mm-hmm. yourself a writer, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, if you want. You don't have to. Some yeah. people would say, I, I, I think I'm going to call myself a writer after I publish that first story. Fair enough. That's fine. Or after the novel, then I can call myself a writer. And if that's what you want, great. But I, I, I can, and I'm trying to do sort of a mental survey of all of my closest writing friends, many of whom don't have that traditional definition of success and all of them have had that moment. And that's really mm-hmm. why they do what they do. And I think that's a great thing to take into a rejection letter when it's yet another, dear writer, this is not the piece. I wish we yeah. had time to write a personal letter. We just don't, you know? And and because yeah, those are it, those it, are it, deflating. It, it, and Yeah, it's, it's the F off and die letter, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They po- politely said, but we really know, don't we? That's yeah. hardly constructive. It's it? hard. <laughs> yeah. F off and go away. I wish we could say that to the editors. You know, that is just, that's hardly constructive. I like that. Well, I think I'm yeah. going to take the opportunity to just say thank you to our writers, to Sonal, Allison, and Stephen. We could probably do this for hours and hours and hours and hours, but mm. uh, podcast episodes have to be a reasonable length. <laughs> thank you so much for being here uh, and for sharing wisdom, joy, and, and, and not just how we deal with rejection, but how we connect as well. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you very thank much. Thank you. A massive thank you again to Sonal, Allison, and Stephen for being here and for sharing their wisdom with us. All of their info is on the episode page of our website, rejectedcentral.com. And a reminder that we're always looking for rejection stories that push beyond the everyday. If you have a story or idea for the show, reach out through rejectedcentral8 at gmail.com or social media or the contact page on our website, rejectedcentral.com. And also be sure to follow, subscribe, and take a moment to rate and review the show. We're really appreciative of all your support. Finally, we are following all the stuff that's going on on social media. And in a little while, we're going to do a draw. If you like or subscribe or follow or retweet or share, we'll make a note of it. And we'll have a draw for someone to appear on the show, which would be pretty cool. Thanks for listening, Rejects. See you next time.